Our gospel reading for today is from Mark 4, 26 through 32, from the New Revised Standard Version. Jesus also said, the kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself, first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle because the harvest has come. He also said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. This is the word of God. You may be seated. 500 years ago, last year, Martin Luther, there he is, posted his 95 theses for debate on the Wittenberg church door. You see, posting your ideas on the church door was kind of like the Facebook of that time. You'd kind of put up your radical ideas and see what would happen and see what would the response be. Don't get any ideas about posting stuff on our church doors. They're not made for that here. Luther was an earthy German, not a totally abstaining free Methodist preacher. Here's one of the earthy sayings of Martin Luther that kind of jumps out at me. He once said, while I drink my little glass of Wittenberg beer, the gospel runs its course. Doesn't that reach out and grab you? <clears throat> Substitute another beverage if you like. Try herb tea or Diet Coke or something like that. What Luther is talking about is taking his hands off the reins of the horse. And these days we would say he's taking his hands off the steering wheel. He's not running the church. He's relaxing with his favorite beverage, but God is at work. Now some of you know that I am a firstborn son. Do you know what is typical of firstborn children? They have a very high sense of responsibility. I love Garrison Keillor's name for the Catholic Church in Lake Wobegon. You know what it is? It's Our Lady of Perpetual Responsibility. My younger brother, younger brother once said to me, Mark, you are just too responsible. One challenge I faced as I was a pastor was feeling that I was responsible for everything that went on in the church. And as I got much older and a little bit wiser, I began to realize that this actually was God's church belonged to God, and God was at work whether or not I was working. Mark has three parables here in chapter four involving seeds. This morning we focus on the second and third parables, but we kind of touch on the first one also, which is the best known. But first let me tell you, I was an interim pastor after retiring from First Free Methodist. I was interim pastor at Deer Flat Free Methodist Church in Southwest Idaho. This is an agricultural community. The 
big sanctuary was located in the midst of a huge cornfield nine miles from the nearest town. And so we prayed a lot for rain. We prayed for successful harvests and orchards. And I wanted very badly to preach on the parable of the soils and the seed. But you know, my wife talked me out of this. She said, what do you have to say to farmers about soil? <laughs> well, who am I to talk to you about seeds? I'm a Seattle person and I don't plant seeds. I just go to a place like Fred Meyer and I buy these plants and I stick them in a pot and put dirt on them and kind of put some plant food on them and water the daylights out of them and hope they flourish. If they don't, we quit or try again. So I'm not an authority on seeds or soils. But really, you know, these parables are not about seeds, are they? These parables are about God at work. God at work in Seattle and elsewhere. The, the, the first parable in Mark 4, just fascinated with this parable. It tells how, it tells the impact of seed, the impact of the kind of soil into which it is cast, and the, the, the sower casts seed everywhere. What, what, what way is this to run a farm? I mean, he just throws the seed everywhere. It gets thrown on the... Um, Hard soil, the thorn-infested soil, the rocky soil. He just throws the seed everywhere. The good news in God's work is communicated everywhere, just in case people will respond. God's word can be hindered by hard hearts and by shallow hearts and by overcrowded hearts. And it is important that I keep a soft heart as I respond to God, but that's, that's for another sermon. Jesus continues to talk about seeds here in Mark 4, but the emphasis shifts. It's not the importance of being the right kind of soil. The emphasis is not on the response I should make, I must make. See, it is not we must, we should, we ought. Rather, the focus is on the power of the seed, the power of what God is doing. God is at work even when we may not be at work or even when we are not as effective in our working as we should be. I don't know about you, but that really encourages me. It is not we who single-handedly build the kingdom of God. Rather, we are servants of the gospel with important parts to play, and it is God who is at work while we work. It is God who is at work when we are not working. Or as Luther put it, while well, I drink my little glass of Wittenberg beer. The gospel runs its course. Well, these two parables portray two kinds of seed. First, there's small seed. That's the second of the two seed parables, but I want to look at it first. What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? It is like a mustard seed, the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Some scholars want to be technical, and they say that there are really other smaller seeds. But the mustard seed was proverbial for smallness. Jews in Jesus' day talked about a drop of blood as small as a mustard seed. They talked about the defilement of the ceremonial law as small as a mustard seed. And Jesus talked about faith as small as a grain of mustard seed. So you see, it's about something really small. Today we might talk about being pint-sized. Now around Lake Galilee, the, the mustard bush sometimes reached over 10 feet in height, as I understand it, 
Birds clustered in its branches, enjoyed the shade, fed on the tiny seeds. And in the Old Testament, birds clustering in the branches of a tree often symbolized the nations of the world. Jesus sees all people finding shelter, finding food in the kingdom of God, even though that kingdom begins small, like a grain of mustard seed. I think of two people whose stories somewhat parallel what Jesus is saying. One is a story of a tiny bent-over nun whose birth name was Agnes. She always dressed in the simple, simple white Indian sari. Originally from small, obscure Albania. I mean, who knows where Albania is? But she became an Indian citizen. Her father died when she was nine, leaving the family in poverty. At age 18, she received the call to be a Catholic nun. And she worked in obscurity for years in a walled compound in Calcutta. She was responsible for teaching and for overseeing a Catholic school there. But she observed the tremendous poverty all around in Calcutta. She observed how the poor died, sick and alone. While nothing happened in those years, nothing earth-shattering happened, God was at work. And you, you know her name. What, what's her name? Oh, thank you. You do know. Yeah. It wasn't until, of course you know, she's become one of the most easily recognized figures in the 20th century. It wasn't until age 39 that Mother Teresa felt a call to leave the security of her school compound to live and work among the poorest of the poor. But that was easier said than done. You don't just leave your order of nuns and start another one. That just doesn't, doesn't work that way. For three or four years, Mother Teresa patiently worked through the Roman Catholic hierarchy for necessary permissions to start the Sisters of Charity. But during these years, when the church bureaucracy, including her bishop, seemed to be blocking her calling, God was at work. In 1979, this woman from an obscure background with little or, or very little education, she won the Nobel Peace Prize. And over the last 30 years of her life, she spoke to and spoke with the rich and the famous. She lectured, even scolded some of the key leaders of the world on things like poverty and abortion and materialism. She was one of the most admired people of the 20th century. And when she died, when Mother Teresa died in 1997, Hindu India gave this Catholic nun a state funeral. And I remember watching on TV and being absolutely amazed. A small seed growing, growing, ultimately producing a harvest. Mother Teresa once said, this is what I am, God's pencil a tiny bit of pencil with which he writes what he likes. Well, closer to home, there's a person with Free Methodist connections and SPU connections. He was a little man, also with unpromising beginnings. His mother died when, she was, when he was three and the family was farmed out to the relatives. No encouragement, no praise for this young boy. He recalled being repeatedly told, you'll never amount to a hill of beans. If his childhood were lived out today, we would say, this is an emotionally abused child. But this boy, who wasn't expected to amount to much of anything, became a literary scholar 
and teacher with skills in speech and debate. He became a professor. He became president of two free Methodist institutions. And yes, one was Seattle Pacific where he was president during a period of much expansion. And he was for several years the much loved pastor at First Free Methodist Church. It was under his leadership that the sanctuary that we enjoy was built. When I came to First Free Methodist Church in 1982, this little man, looking like he had stepped out of a Charles Dickens novel, after he finished teaching the Samaritan class, would sit right, right over there, right over there, always sat in the same place. He would sit right over there, and he was warmly encouraging and supportive of my efforts. Great model for a former pastor. It's really a good, good thing. I think of him often. At the funeral of Cedor Demery, I quoted from a famous poet. I think it was Shakespeare. Others, others will tell me if I'm wrong. Large streams from little fountains flow. Great oaks from little acorns grow. Is that from Shakespeare, David? Thank you. I needed, needed the confirmation. Sounds to me a little bit like what Jesus said about seeds. Now, human sowers have been known to corrupt the seed. And human sowers have not always been faithful to their task. And human soil has contained obstacles to the effectiveness of the seed. If God had asked my advice, and God has not asked my advice, I would have advised God, use angels to accomplish your work in the world. Angels don't get tired. Angels don't fight. Angels don't do dumb things. But God has chosen to work through us, through human beings, small seeds though we are. And the word of the kingdom has had tremendous power in its impact over the years. The first asylum for the blind, the first free dispensary, the first hospital of which we have any record were founded by disciples of Jesus. Christianity transformed life for children. Ancient people often disposed of unwanted children by just getting rid of them. But that's not the way it is in the kingdom of God. So what's the good and encouraging word today is this. Never underestimate the gospel's power. Never underestimate the gospel's power. Yes, the word of the gospel may seem like a small thing. People who sow the seed of the gospel may seem small in comparison to the huge, powerful movements of the world. This world looks for and admires the flashy, the flamboyant, the obviously powerful, the winners of this age. But the kingdom of God starts with little influences, small seeds, small people, who may even appear to be losers. God spoke through the prophet Zechariah to the disheartened leader of Jews returning from exile. These people felt like giving up on the hard task of rebuilding the temple. Do not despise the day of small things, God said. And he also said, it is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Sometimes we may feel small, insignificant, not very useful, but we're a part of the kingdom of God. We are a part of what one Seattle author has called the mustard seed conspiracy. What a great title. God is in process of growing us into a plant which influences the world. God is at work, and God's work is bigger than we are.
Arthur John Gossip was a Scottish preacher pastor of another generation. And one week the pressure of pastoral responsibilities encroached on the time he took to prepare for Sunday's sermon. And he was dissatisfied with what he was able to prepare for Sunday. And it was without much confidence in what he had that Arthur John Gossip climbed the steps into this elevated Scottish pulpit. And Gossip said, do you know the bend in the staircase leading into the pulpit? Jesus met me there. And Jesus said to me, Gossip, is that the best you can do for me this week? Yes, Lord, it's the best that I can do this week. And Gossip reported, that Sunday, in his hands, that poor thing became a trumpet. We offer the best that we have. We keep our soil plowed up, soft, tender toward God. But the work of the kingdom is the work of God. Who knows what God will do? But there's another parable about seed. You thought I was working up to close, but I'm not quite, not quite done yet. In addition to small seed, Jesus talked about secret seed. This is the only parable that is uniquely in Mark's gospel. I'm sure glad he included this parable. Again, the sower sows, and the seed apparently falls on good soil, but we don't know for sure. Who knows what kind of soil the seed falls on? It's not the soil that the parable focuses on, it's the seed. The seed germinates, grows, eventually produces a harvest. See, on behalf of the divine farmer, disciples of Jesus sow seed in the field, God's field, and the sower stands back and watches the process, and he accepts the ordinariness of so much of life. Says the parable, there's daytime and nighttime. He sleeps and he gets up. Fascinated with the message paraphrase, God's kingdom is like a seed thrown on a field by a man who then goes to bed and forgets about it. Don't you like that? The seed sprouts and grows. He has no idea how it happens. We may not know how and why God's work is going forward. My first pastorate was in a church in suburban Buffalo, and I served that church for nine years, and it grew, and I had no idea why. I had no idea how this church got to be three times the size that it did at first. The seed was growing secretly, and it was not under my control. We don't dig up planted seed to see if it's growing. Even I know that. (laughs) We wait. We believe in the process. We believe God is at work. We water the seed sown, yes. But we cannot make the seed germinate. We cannot make the plant grow. In in, in verse 28, Mark uses a very interesting word. It is behind our English word automatic. Automatic, suggesting something over which we do not have control. So what's the good news here? Forming disciples is God's work. The creation of a harvest is what God does. We cannot save anybody. God makes disciples. We are commissioned to assist God in that process. And in the parable, our eyes are on the harvest. The harvest. And we are not in control of that harvest. 
We cannot mechanically make disciples like we cut out and shape cookies. And that's hard for us. You know, we are goal-oriented people. We are preoccupied with the bottom line in business and sometimes even in the life of the Spirit. Sometimes we get mechanical about the life of the Spirit. We say, do these three things and you will be a good Christian. And in the church, it's usually seven things that we need to do to have an effective church. Those three things, those seven things may be good to do, but they do not guarantee a harvest. They do not control the process. The harvest is God's business, and God is at work toward harvest while we work. And even while we do not work, wise British pastor and author John Stott put it this way, God has only commissioned us to preach the gospel to all nations. The results belong to God. And the results of the seed we sow will not be fully evident until the harvest, that final harvest, which will happen when the master returns. Only when Jesus returns will the full impact of the seed we sow be evident. We may not know the impact of our lives on others, We're in the business of being disciples and inviting others to discipleship, but the formation of disciples is God's work and God is at work. Now, I hope these parables encourage us. I hope they encourage us as we move into a new era at First Free Methodist Church. I love what Paul wrote to the Philippians. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Christ. Though the work of God's kingdom starts small and maybe in secret, never underestimate what can happen because God is at work. I used to give parents of freshmen a leaving the nest talk in SPU's freshman orientation. And this sanctuary would be full of anxious parents some with tears, leaving a child at university. I think always in those talks, I cited this parable. I cited this parable. I assured parents that God is at work in the life of their young adult. And God can do more even than parents can do. Imagine that. God is at work planting seeds, little seeds, seeds which grow secretly. God is at work in a world filled with chaos and uncertainty, in a world where people are reacting these days with anger and outrage. Good news seeds are God's word to this world from a God of love and faithfulness and peace and hope. Well, today is the annual meeting of First Free Methodist Church. Beyond reports, beyond elections, Folks, even beyond the bylaws, even beyond the bylaws, we celebrate what God has been doing at First Free Methodist Church since its founding in 1880. Think of that. We celebrate our faith in the divine sower and the good news seed that continues to germinate and grow in the kingdom of God in our midst. God is at work sometimes through changes that have taken place and sometimes despite them. God is at work. Kingdom seeds are powerful here in Seattle. Do we believe this? I invite us to pause for some moments of silent prayer and just open your hearts to the seed, the seed that God wants to sow. Let us be in prayer.